I thought about Father's Day. I thought, I went for my walk and uh, God gave me this strange uh, illustration of the prodigal story and I want to touch on that. But I want to give you some matter-of-fact stuff. So I hope you've got your Bibles, your pens. Your, your, give me half an hour and um, not even that. Aren't we doing good for time now? We're trying to finish at 11.30. And so, yeah, it's a challenge, but we're doing it. It's a challenge for a revivalist. Because I'm not a teacher. I'm a revivalist. I'm here to revive your soul. So let's look at this. And I love a bit of sociological stuff I studied so, uh, sociology, is that the, did I get that right? Yeah, I, I love that stuff. What is happening due to the culture, due to the society we live in? What is happening for women, their roles that they seemingly have been given by God? Um, and and, and what, what is happening with man, uh, the roles that he's supposed to have? Uh, and, and they tell me that there's a big breakdown right now across the world. Uh, because culturally things are not holding up as they should. In old-fashioned days, roles stayed pretty well the same. Uh, just think about the Jewish culture, and it was pretty solid, the culture. Uh, and, and then you would become a man, and the woman would become a woman. But in these days, where it's all a little bit out there now, we live in a fast-paced internet-driven, postmodern world. Do you like that? Oh, and, um, and, and despite that, despite us living in those times, God says, but I want you to hold fast to your roles and my purposes in your life. God's purposes are deep in your life. And we've got to believe that we can get those purposes out of the young women, young men, and the people of God in general they're purposes in God that seemingly, if you ignore, at the end of the day, you seemingly get a bit disgruntled about your life. No matter how big your house is, no matter how grand your life is in lots of areas, seemingly, trust me, and the midlife crisis especially is not a good thing if, you, if this is applicable, you seemingly are found measured, weighed, and wanting. You know what I mean? And, and you know it. You, you look good on the outside. You've got a great car. You've got a great life and wife. And, but seemingly... And so that's what church really is about, defining you who you are in life, defining what you are about. Who's there? You know, who's there? Who wants more definition? Who likes their high-definition TV? Who likes the little black-and-white box? You know, who likes that sort of life? Just, you know, who likes the big wide surround sound? Just, you're just in there. You're just in there. I was in that movie on Friday night, Mark. Defiance. Daniel, what's his name? Daniel Craig. He's a great actor, isn't he? I didn't realize how good he was. I thought he was just a, just a James Bond poser, but he's not. He's a fantastic actor. And Defiance helped me consolidate, again, some of this thought I've got. Because something happened. Who's watched the movie? Something happened in that man that turned him into a father. Because father means protector, nourisher, upholder. In the Greek, father means protector, nourisher, upholder. So let's get into this. Come on, Phil. Let's go. Let's do it. We're living in a changing world. 
We're struggling. We're struggling with our roles. I've said that traditional cultural roles of man and woman have changed, leaving both even women traumatized because women are finding it hard to find real men. We've actually had some people in the, in the house where men have walked out on, on them because they've found out their, their, their sexual identity was of another persuasion. Do you know what I'm saying? And so even women are affected by how man, they say, how the man goes, the community goes, or the society goes, how the man goes, the church goes, how the man goes, especially the family goes. So we've got to believe that men... Uh, do some serious understanding and get clear definition of their manhood. Say manhood, masculinity, and fatherhood. And of course, in that, they will understand what it means to be a real man. Say real man. And I said the man is the key to building strong communities, families, churches, and marriages. We're looking for men all the time. I mean, yesterday we were looking for a band of brothers to come into the men's breakfast. And we were way short of the numbers we should have had there. And, and really, I looked and, uh, and I thought, man, b- band of brothers, you know, band of brothers. You know what that means? That like, come on, guys, let's come together and, and, and declare our manhood. Let's declare our, our, our strength together and, you know, it's a bit of that whoa, 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 rah, rah, rah type of thing. Slap each other on the back and rah, rah, rah. It's a bit of that stuff, but yeah. So I'm talking to men and women uh, this morning. And really what I want to do is give a revelation of knowing God the Father. And in fact, I believe that that Jesus has made a way, but he has made a way to the Father. And I sense, in a, in, in, I sense a lot of us have not made it to the Father, that we've made it to Jesus, and Jesus is like a big brother that has saved us, but to the Father is where eventually we need to get. Do you know what I'm saying? And so let's look at that. Let's look at that as a revelation. And I want to. I want to um, kick back into some of my personal experience in my uh, struggle in knowing Father God, and then receiving from Father God something I probably never got from my father, because my father was traumatized by the war, and I didn't know that until I got into my thirties. But they call this generation, I'm the baby boomer, before me is apparently the generation called the silent generation. Because they went through so much, um, they, they didn't talk about stuff. Kids were to be seen but not heard. Any, anyone heard of that stuff? And so I very much grew up in that time of the 60s especially when kids were kept in a nice place of ignorance. And we didn't talk about the war. We didn't talk, uh, well, our parents didn't talk about the war, but my dad eventually did on his, thought he was his deathbed 15 years ago. He started to unpackage some of the stuff that he'd gone through and, uh, and, and other issues too of just growing up traumatized him. And so for me as a son, I didn't get the, the I didn't get, the true, uh, probably the true version of who my father should have been. I got a complicated uh, sort of jungle, of, a mix-up of, um, 
of a, of a man that lived a, a decent uh, moral life, but a man that had never been affirmed himself and then in turn wasn't able to uh, enact that to his children, especially to me as a son. And uh, nothing was ever good enough and, uh, you know, and um, you, you just weren't... Like now, it's ridiculous. We encourage our kids, uh, we can anyway, seemingly, we encourage them no end without the discipline. But we used to get a lot of discipline with no encouragement. Do you know what I'm he- saying here? And so there's a balance. And a lot of people don't want to go to the Father, Father God, because they view him as a disciplinarian. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, because I believe when you know the Father, when you get to know the Father, it's then when he can fan into flame the purposes within a man, a woman. I'm talking about men, you know, because I believe, I believe honestly this, that I didn't, wasn't able to stand up into being who I, I truly needed to be for God, to be a man of God, a minister for God, to be a, uh, a proclaimer of truth, as it were. I couldn't do that until I found the Father's affirmation. Am I, am I, is this getting through somewhere? Something happened for me. I don't know when, but something happened for me in the early 90s where God the Father, the Father's love, and we heard about the Trino blessing that exempted the, the Father's blessing. And even great ministers and great men of God were doing, moving, shaking nations. But I heard of one story, uh, I can't mention his name. He's a man that's still alive. And he's got churches all over, the, over, the, over this uh, nation. And uh, John Arnott, who is the father, who has this revelation of the father's blessing, challenged him. He said, you're, you're, you're doing all right, but what was your father like? He said, my father was all right. What do you mean? This guy's in his 60s. He's asking a man in his 60s how his father was. A great man who writes books, starts churches and, and, and preaches. And, and he says, no. He said, how was your father really like? And he had to take that home with him. And for three days, he found himself shut up in, a, in a, an apartment questioning what was his father really like. And of course, he realized that there was this, I guess, huge disposition that he had towards his father, but also in himself that he needed to take to God and go back to Father God and receive his affirmation receive his love all over again. And from that, he got breakthrough and was able to minister the way he should have ministered all the time. So let's look at this. And I said last week, I said last week that man hid from the voice of God and he sinned in the Garden of Eden. Okay, so let's back it up. The Garden of Eden, man, man and woman, Adam and Eve, walk with God, knew God in the garden. Everything was perfect. Uh, man sinned and he turned his back on the voice of God. And of course, when you uh, look further on through the Old Testament, um, I love that scripture where it said uh, in Exodus, uh, Exodus 20 verse 19. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us. They didn't want to hear God's uh, voice straight on. And this is the Israelites saying, Moses, you go speak to God. We don't want to hear what he's got to say. And, and so here's Moses. He says, well, I'll speak to him. I know him. 
He's like a friend to me. And so I can hear what, and I'll tell you. And of course, then we get, and then of course, uh, through the Old Testament, we see this struggle, this love hate relationship, I guess, between God's people and the Father, Father God. And it's, a lot of it is about contending with this relationship they should have with God. And, uh, and of course, there's this scripture in Malachi 4 5 where it's, it's a powerful uh, prophetic statement where it says, See, I'll send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the lamb with a curse. But then when we get into the New Testament and when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, God's voice finally comes back to the planet and confirms his son Jesus Matthew 3.17 says, And a voice from heaven, son, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And um, I think it's Matthew 12, verse 18. Here is my servant. Uh, Here's another version, whom I have chosen. Imagine hearing this as a woman or a man. Imagine hearing this. Here is my child. Here is my man. Here is my woman, whom I have chosen, the one who I love, in whom I delight I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. I really felt this came upon me in the early 90s, which allowed me to stand up in my calling. Uh, And I feel this, that a lot of people have not stood up into their calling or their respective roles because they've never felt the affirmation of the Father. Uh, Julie, you said some time ago that with the Jewish custom of the boy when he would reach 12 or 13... And the father would put the boy on his shoulder and walk him through the community and say publicly through that community, this is my son. In Would you get on my shoulders, Luke? No. <laughs> this is my son who I am well pleased. <laughs> he is on my, yeah, symbolically. This is my son. So the kid, what, help me, 12, 13? bar mitzvah stuff, you know, that sort of tradition. This is my... Imagine doing that, Steve. You ever done that to your kid? Walk through Berkeley Vale or something, wherever you live. This is, they'd lock you up if they did. This is my son whom I am well pleased. Imagine. Uh, you know, but we need that. Who, who, who would like that? Who would have liked that? Who, who needs that now? You know, I think we all need it. We all need that. This is my son who, whom I love in whom I am well pleased. And so I get to this um, point of the, the, the message where I've got to say to you, we've got to have a balanced view of God. We can know Jesus. We can know the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking about the Trinity. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but Father God, the true in God. We need to have a balanced view of God. Are you with me on that? And a lot of us have allowed Jesus just to be a big brother. He saved us. I remember me as a big brother looking after my siblings, my kids, uh, my younger, because I was so much older. I was about nine or ten. I was at Cronulla, and I decided to go the short way down to the beach, and I didn't want to use the stairs. I'm an adventurous kid. Young boys should be adventurous. I believe that. Who's with me on that? Who who believes that? Kids should be adventurous. Uh, I get my two brothers. No, one brother. I get one brother, and he's about two or three, and I get him on my hip. 
and uh, I go down this treacherous embankment, and all the people are using the track, and they're like sheep, you know, I don't want to be a sheep. Uh, and, and I'm going down, and I find myself precariously perched in an awkward position. And eventually, these people walking past me on the track are looking, is he all right or what? You know? Eventually, this man says, you all right, son? He said, no, I'm a bit, a bit trapped here. And I had become precariously uh, perched over this, you know, this, this uh, steep embankment. And eventually, I f- got myself, anyway, I didn't need his help. And another time, I had my two, same beach, Cronulla, who is? I just realized that. Cronulla, I had my two brothers, four and five, say three or four, and I climbed over the rock uh, wall of the pool, and um, I don't know why I did this, don't ask me why, I was about eight or nine, nine, nine or ten, and I'd gotten over the wall, and then the the waves are coming in, then I realized as the waves come in, I couldn't stand, and I just had to hang on to my boys while the wave came in, I stood there, (gasps) and hold them up like this, (laughs) and the Kids are looking at me, you know, my two brothers. We are, we're cool. Is this all good? <laughs> and then I realized there was a rip trying to drag me out. And I'm going, what am I doing? And so I turn around and I just have to wait for the wave to come, lift my, boy, lift my, my boys, lift my brothers up. And, and then the wave would go out and I'd try and get, you know, and I thought, and I used to have nightmares of that actually for a long time that I could have, could have you know, lost their lives or anything. But that's big brother stuff. I'm making the point that love this stuff. Proverbs 20 verse 5. I'll, I'll, I'll keep with, with the scriptures, then I'll get to that story again. Verse 5, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. I believe there's many men, probably young men, young women, that need Father God to draw out the purposes of God in them. Who believes that? Moses, of course, had a deep sense of the fatherhood of God, and, and we see that. And, and, and this helped him, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 27, it helped him persevere through difficult moments. This is why Moses, Moses sang in Deuteronomy 32, verse 6, it is, is he not your father, your creator? So I'm making a point about Father God here, all right? Who made you and formed you? Hebrews eleven seven. So let's go into the New Testament. By faith he left Egypt. This was a radical man that was called to loose a million odd people out of the bondage of a, an occultic, oppressive regime. God called upon him to go and release the people from bondage. How did he do that? I believe he knew Father God. It says in Hebrews eleven verse seven. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Some of us need to see Father God high and lifted up. We need to see God the Father. And some of us might be able to do that this morning. God the Father's, when, I believe when we have an encounter with Father God, this is what I believe, that it can transform your body, your soul, your spirit, your calling. When Father God, I knew how powerful this was when I used to play sport and um, play you know, soccer and, and those few times when I actually played out of my skin and my dad was there on the sideline and he would actually concede, well done, son, that slap on the back I would feel for months, months. Because other than that, it was, yeah, you should have passed the ball, you could have done that, you could have, should have done <sighs> Yeah, okay, all right, I'll try do better next time. But those moments when I did feel the affirmation of my father, wow, 
I mean, I could have been an astronaut. I could have done anything from that moment. You know what I'm saying? It's powerful, this affirmation of the father. The word for father in Greek is pater, P-A-T-E-R, which is a root word signifying nourisher, protector, and upholder. And when I watched that movie, um, what was it called, Daniel Craig? Defiance. Defiance. I saw Daniel Craig become this protector, this father. I saw him become a nourisher, a protector of all these Jews that were on the run from the Germans. And I saw him kick into this father role. There's something innately in a man that wants to protect, preserve, nourish, uphold people. Don't you think? And unless that's happening, we're not whole. And Christ has come to make us whole. Salvation is about making us whole. Men, God wants to make you whole in your calling, in your masculinity, in in your fatherhood. Some men struggle with fatherhood because they're not complete. Some men struggle with love and women get upset about the men because the love of the father is not complete in them and they can't love in turn their loved ones. Do you know what I'm saying? This impacts our families and our society no end. Uh, Men don't serve the church because that nourisher, protector, preserver, um, that that upholding nature of a father doesn't kick into the life of the church. And so they have no value of us creating an environment, a church, a team, an army, a place of of, of a community. Do you notice Daniel John's Daniel John's Daniel Craig when he got the revelation that this was a community? This was a community that they actually lived in the woods for four years, built these, you know, places uh, out of wood and they'd hang out and then they'd get uh, found out and move on and re, you know, colonize again in the, in the, in the forest. It was amazing. But I love that movie because it really spoke to me about what would you do, Phil, in that case? I think the same thing would come upon me. What about you, man? Would, would you do the same thing? And that's what I've done as a pastor. I've virtually done that. I'm saying, we're bunkering down here. We're creating family. You know what I mean? We're, 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 we're believing that this family will survive uh, all, all the wickedness, all the darkness, and we not only will survive, but we will populate and begin. To, and they did. They started to populate in the forest even. It was amazing. So God reveals himself in the Bible as a gentle, forgiving, loving God. We know that. We see it in the scripture after scripture that talks about that. But the point is, if we concentrate just on Jesus and the Holy Spirit and miss out on the Father's revelation of who he is to us, the church, we're not going to be whole. Um, John 14, verse 26, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remain will remind you of everything I have said to you. In fact, Jesus showed us what God the Father was like. A lot of the things that Jesus did because he was obedient to the will of the Father, because Jesus was obedient and, and doing a lot of what Father God would do, you can actually look at Jesus' life and see what the Father's like. He would heal you. He would, re- he would, would, would release you. He would set you free from demons. He would... He would bless you with an abundant life. That This is the nature of the Father. So the point is, a lot of us know Jesus. A lot of us know the Holy Spirit. 
And then I found myself pondering and, uh, about the prodigal uh, son and the story of the prodigal son. And uh, this is an amazing story. And even now I'm getting more revelation through great resources. And so the prodigal son is a story that Jesus is trying to explain, not only about a boy that blows it, leaves home, asks for his inheritance, which means cutting up the entire property. That means if, if you were a son, Jilly, um, and you asked for your inheritance early, early, inheritance early, we would have had to sell our home and cut that up and give you what your inheritance was because as the firstborn, it was due to, what was it, two-thirds? Help me, guys. Was it two-thirds or some? You were, so I was demoralized. You left home. Uh, you got what you wanted, but you went and left and squandered. And then you came. Then you realized, hang on, I'm stone broke on this wild living. Um, boy, if I could get back near my father's home, at least get, come, try and get back and sincerely apologize, but not become his son, but, but find my way back there and pay penance, repay my way back into the father's household. Not by becoming a son, but be becoming a hired hand, in fact. I, I will serve, not as a hired hand, but I will serve the hired hand. And you know the story that this, this, this sort of thinking was actually culturally true in those days. But Jesus is brilliantly, in this prodigal son story, is telling us something of a whole new game plan of Father God's love to his children. He's saying you don't have to pay penance. You don't have to work your way back into the Father's love. In fact, this father jumps off the veranda and races to his son, Tim Cobb. How you doing? Grabs him and says, welcome home. Oh, hang on, Dad. Sorry, I blew all your... He says, oh, I don't care about that. You were lost. Now you're found says to the servants, get the fatted calf. And that was, they didn't eat meat all the time. This was a special, special occasion. Let's virtually, let's have a party. My son is back. The goody two-shoes son, which the story is about a lot about too, that was always in the home, in the household, that was now indignant about the, the, the party that was being thrown for Tim Cop, who's come back from the back paddocks of life, the goody two-shoes son's church, always following the Bible, always doing that stuff, he stayed outside while the party was on because he was indignant that Father God had accepted him and was throwing a party for him. And in fact, the father had to come out to the son, the goody two-shoes son, and said, what's, what's wrong, son? He said, you never threw me a party. You never did such things for me. Uh, but father said, but it was all yours. All you had to do was ask for it. It was all yours anyway. I mean, but this son. And so Jesus, remember, has this crowd of people around him, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees, and he's got sinners. And so both this crowd are going, wow, this is amazing. I mean, no paying penance, no being scolded, not being disciplined, but being hugely accepted back into the family of God 
is an amazing thing. In fact, he received this, you know the story, he received this coat over him, which was the father's coat, this very pompous ceremonial coat. He grabbed that coat, threw it over his son and said, this is my son. And he is due all the inheritance all over again. Do you get that? It's fantastic. Here's the ring, the ring to do business. They needed the ring to do trade. Here's the ring. Put the ring on him. Put the shoes on him. All dignifying him into sonship. And I feel this. A lot of us still haven't migrated and been adopted into the sonship of our Father God. It's when then we radically are saved into the Father's household. I think it's then that we find the deeper purposes of our manhood, of, our, of, of, of the ladies too. I mean, finding out who they are. They're special. They're precious. Father God can only tell us these things. Are you with me? A lot of us have been saved by our big, a big brother, Jesus. Big brother, he saved us. Man, thank you, big brother, like big brothers do. And I had an image... Um, that the Holy Spirit was like our big sister. You know, just, you know, like a good big sister. Like Roz, you know. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like Roz. Uh, speaking to, you know, Tim Cop, who's out there saying, it's going to be all right, Tim. You know, it's going to be cool, man. Why don't you come home? Dad's cool. He's cool. He's not going to scold you. He's not going to whip you. Why don't you come home? And, oh, I don't know. Dad's going to be really mad. I've blown everything, man. I've blown all the estate, all everything I, he gave me. No, no, come on home. And there's Big Brother. Eventually, Roz, the Holy Spirit, brings him to a place. Who could be Big Brother? Steve, the Big Brother. And there's Steve, the Big Brother. Stand up, Steve. God bless you, buddy. Yeah, there he is. That's a Big Brother. That's the sort of Big Brother you want. God bless you, mate. And then he says, wow, yeah, man, you should be back at home. It's, it's, it, that's where you belong. That's where you belong. And then he says, in a church service, wherever he said yes to Jesus, he said, you're right. I need to believe in the Father again. I need to believe that I can become part of that household again. But if he never finds his way, if the son, and the son has made a way back to the Father, but if Tim says, look, actually, I'm just so happy, Steve, you saved my life. And, and Jesus, it's so great. But look, Father, you know, I still believe he's angry with me. And, and some of us think that. Uh, some of us think that Father God is angry or he's not pleased with us. And we, we sort of, you know, we uh, allow ourselves maybe not the privilege of finding our way to, to Jesus, to, to Father God. And this was a strange thought I had. It was like a, a revelation in, of, of myself, even of uh, my own father and in and, and a sense of what he uh, represented for me. And although, yeah, I, I started to think, well, why haven't I got this? Why didn't I have this special relationship with my father? And I think it was because it was polluted. Sin pollutes. Uh, the world pollutes our roles. It, 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 it fragments, but it... it, it, it uh, confuses matters, and uh, and I forgive my father. I mean, he's a product of a fallen world. You know what I mean. I think you should forgive your father, and if you could see your father untainted by the world, if you could see your father today on Father's Day uh, as a man untainted by the world, he's not an alcoholic, he's not gruff, he's not angry, he's not uh, you know 
uh, as you, you know, he's not this awkward father figure, but he's someone just so pleasing and so loving, just so wanting you, running down the, that dirt track, wrapping his arms around you, Joe. That's, that's the father we serve. That's Father God who we serve. And some of us think that he's, he's too busy. He's too important. I got saved in church, C3 Tugra. But Father God, he's in charge of the universe. He's too busy to go to him. Of course he's not. He's there and he personally loves you. He loves every detail about your life. You must come to the Father. And a lot of us know Jesus. A lot of us know the big sister, the Holy Spirit. But a lot of us still, even some of our finest young men, still must come to Father God like I had to and receive the affirmation of Father God and saying, Phil, you're awesome. You're gonna, you, I've got great things planned for you. Are you up to it? Oh boy, if you reckon I can. And the purposes within me that were deep in me start to come alive and start to become real. And the Father's love on me now makes it so real. And I become this son, this son of the house, this son that loves everything the Father loves, including saving souls. And there's scriptures about um, that the Father wants to answer your prayers, that the Father wants to give you the Holy Spirit, that the Father wants to give you an understanding of His redemption plans. Some of the sons still don't understand the Father's burden to save souls. They have no idea of the church. They have no idea what it means to preach the gospel. They have no idea. But Daniel Craig did. Daniel Craig realized because he was a reluctant hero. He's only looking after himself. Man, this is getting hot here. This is getting radical. The, the, you know, we get being persecuted. But then something profoundly happens in the man where he says, I think I can save a few of these people. I think I can save some people here. I think I can protect them, preserve them. I think I can bless them. Okay, I'm done. And then, of course... I think this, I think this, that um, when you can do this, Ephesians 3.14, so I'm jumping right forward, guys, I'm jumping forward, Uh, Ephesians 3.14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, that's us, in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Guys, I hope that you're here today to receive strengthening in your inner spirit of manhood, but of being a woman. Being st- I think the only way that you can be strengthened of your purpose and your calling and who you are in God is by the Father and I love this scripture where it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen. Can I have the worship team? God bless you. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide 
and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There it is right there. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever, forever, and amen. Let's stand. God bless you guys.